began talking and teaching about uh, how to watch and pray last week. In other words, how to pray prophetically. And we started to talk about how to flow in the Spirit. Partly what we did tonight is the beginning stages of flowing with the Spirit of God. How do you do that? You stir yourself up. So your spirit is in the center of you. You can lay hands, the Bible says, and you can stir up the gift of God, which was, uh, he told, Paul told Timothy, you can stir up the gift of God, which was placed in you by the laying on of my hands. So we can stir up the gift. And, and then, of course, the gifts of God, um, we listed off last week. Um, I won't go into all the detail of that tonight, but let me just let me read the scripture to you. Uh, I gave you 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. It says, for to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same spirit, uh, to another faith by the same spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning the spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. Now, I listed those out last week, and then I gave you definitions of what those things were, so pick it up um, from uh, our website. Uh, you can go on, on to YouTube. Oh, by the way, I need to tell them about that too, Pastor Nick. We are getting our stats back. We did not push real hard. I did not, if you notice, I did not push on social media at all the live broadcast, okay? Uh, there's a reason for that because I'm testing a few things out. So we went live on, um, on Sunday for the very first time. So we have all the stats they provide for us. It's, it's kind of intense, and I'm not going to get into all the details of that. But, wow, we did incredible. And so we had uh, 300, how many passionate? 368 that all together? Oh, that was a couple days ago. So that was when we, we, we looked at it. So there were you have a certain amount of viewers that are actually on live, and then about within 15 minutes after the live broadcast goes off and it goes in the archive, we had like 125 people, and then it kept growing from there. So um, <clears throat> keep sharing, keep doing that, because obviously that's working with people. And, again, this is the first time out the door. I haven't done it all. I probably had the biggest poll out of everybody in the church just because I'm the pastor of the church, so I can do that, but I didn't do it. I didn't do it this week at all on purpose. So we're going to see how that works next week. But wow, it looked fantastic. It sounded great. Uh, it's pro. It's pretty pro. And Pastor Nick and I had a meeting about it this week, and uh, we uh, think we can get it better. Uh, so we're tweaking things and making it. We're always going to keep tweaking to make it better and better and better, more excellence. Next week you'll see uh, shots. Of the band better have their teeth brushed, praise God, and your hair combed. Because I know you think you're in the dark over here, but no, we're going to light you up. And we're going to get shots of the band too. So it'll be the praise team and the band. And then maybe in the near future you need to brush your teeth sometimes, praise God, because we're going to put you on camera too. Just you're like, you know how they do. So, but you just keep, just praise God, don't worry about it. Amen. Act like it's not there at all. And let people see your smiling face. And let them see the people of our church. Because this group of people does talk. It does. So if you look around this, there's so much different color and just uh, 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 feeling and flow. It's neat to see. So I want to show that as well. But anyways, I, I paused there to let you know the good news. It went terrific. And we're super excited about the future with our online campus. Amen. All right, so tonight, I want to talk about the infilling of the Spirit, and, and where did it start? Uh, Genesis 1.26, here's how it began. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the, creeping, uh, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So God makes man, and I won't get into, I've preached this a lot in our church, but he made man in his image and in his likeness, okay? So the image means that we are to we look like God. Uh, in other words, there, that God has ear, ears and nose and, and eyes and a mouth. Uh, we are we're fashioned after Him, but also in uh, the Bible says image and likeness. And likeness means to function like He functions. So God gives particular functions. We'll talk about here in just a moment. Um, but get that clear in your spirit, okay? So image and likeness. We were made like our Creator. Then Genesis 2, verse 7 says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. So God breathes into the nostrils of man, okay? That's that ruach, the spirit of God, into man, and man becomes a living being. That word, words living being, means a speaking and creating force or God made, in other words, God made us to be a speaking and creating spirit just as he is, only with a natural body, okay? Now, the reason why we have a natural body, because he created a natural planet, and to survive on this planet, you have to have a natural body. If the natural body uh, falls over, what happens? The spirit doesn't die. The spirit lives forever, right? Just like God. So let me make this statement. We are spirits, and we live in a body, and we have a soul. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions, okay? But we are spirits that have the power to create because God has the power to create. So he made us in his image and to function or likeness like him. Now, <clears throat> Proverbs 18, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to get this prophetic uh, uh, pr praying in just a moment. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, will eat its fruit. It should be no wonder to you uh, that you, whatever you're eating in life, so to speak, it's like an analogy of the fruit of your life, it, it should be no amazement or wonder to you, how did I get this fruit? Well, look back, what did you say? What were you praying about? What were you talking? What were you speaking? Because God made you like him, and when God said, let there be light, light was. And so he made you a speaking, creating force or spirit so you'll eat the fruit of the words you speak. Job chapter 22, verse 27 says, you will make your prayer to him. But not any, just any kind of prayer because it's the prayer he will hear, okay? He will hear you and you will pay your vows. You will also declare a thing and it shall, will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. I could preach a long time on that particular passage. But the, the essence of it is when I declare or speak something, it gets established. If I'm speaking death and, and, and confusion and, 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 and fear, I can expect that's going to come in my life and be established in my life. But if I'm speaking peace and I'm speaking love and I'm speaking prosperity and I'm speaking my future, I can expect that's going to be established in my life. Life and light will shine on my ways. We live in a dark, fallen world. And so we need light. So when I declare, light comes. This is the essence of prophetic praying. 
It's not generic prayers. Lord, bless me today in Jesus' name, amen. That's not what we're talking about. As a matter of fact, prophetic praying is how prayer should be always. All right, let's look at, let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 28 again. It says this, then God blessed them. And, and God, and that's a beautiful passage right there is powerful. Those words, bless them. He empowered them to what? Prosper, to do well, to go over and to arrive into their destiny. Okay? And God said to them, and that's his breathing now, because when you speak, you're exhaling. You're, he's speaking breath. It's coming over, the, over them. He said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And have what? Dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Living thing, not human being. You don't have dominion over a person. Amen, somebody. But it's talking about your circumstances. It's talking about the animals. It's talking about the elements, everything, right? And he said, subdue it and have dominion. Because if you don't subdue, you can't have dominion. And the word subdue means this. It means there's going to be, uh, subdue means to take ownership or it means, it means to, to take over. It means to conquer. But it, it means this, that if you're going to subdue, that means there's going to be opposition. Because if there was no opposition, there'd be nothing to subdue. To take ownership over, to take control over, to, 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 to lord over, Right? And so there's going to be an opposition. So we understand that storms come and, and, and life happens and, and things uh, that we don't want or are uncomfortable to us take place. But we've been given power by Almighty God in his likeness and in his image to take dominion by subduing it, by taking control over it in the name of Jesus and because we know opposition comes. All right, so where does this dominion come from? How do we attain it? Dominion, now you might want to write this down, if, if not take, take mental note or go back over. Dominion comes out of communion with God. The first thing that God did with man in the garden was have relationship with him. Let me make this statement. God has all power, and true power is assimilated to us through relationship. Woo, this is good stuff. But they said, uh, Jesus made mention, they said, you know, in that day, they'll say, but uh, the day of judgment, but they'll say, but we healed the sick. Why are we on the wrong side of the aisle here? Why are we going to hell? We healed the sick. We raised the dead. We cast out devils in your name. But Jesus said, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I've had no intimate relationship with you. I've had no communion with you. That tells me you can have power that seems to be like power, but, but does he know you? And by the way, if he knows you, the devil's going to know who you are too. And if the devil knows you, there's going to be some opposition that's come up against you. Just know if you step out one moment, one day of your life in your destiny, there will be a force to oppose you. But the good news is, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Am I right about it, church? 
And so he said, depart from me, you work for me. I don't mean, but does the devil, in other words, the seven sons of Sceva, and they, they went and, and they, were, they were itinerant preachers. They were not born again, but they watched how the disciples did it, and they noticed there was power released in the name of Jesus. So they went around and preached in the name of Jesus, not knowing him. And stuff happened. But one day, a demon bigger than them. And they said, we're going to cast the devil out of him. Come out. We adjure you in the name of Jesus. That means to put a boundary around you. We're going to put a boundary around you in the name of you. Come out of this man in the name that Paul preaches. In the name of Jesus, come out. And the devil looked him eyeball to eyeball and said, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? And whipped them seven boys and sent them out bleeding and bloody and naked because they did not know or have relationship with the Almighty. You can do some things for a little while, but as soon as you come against real opposition, it's going to take you down if you don't know him. So, so man communes with God and receives knowledge, and then man obeys this divine knowledge that's sent to him, which brings dominion. You don't get that kind of divine knowledge unless you're having time with the Almighty. Communion offers no confusion. Remember that. Communion offers no confusion. If you're in confusion, amp up your communion time with God because he wants to give you answers. So no communion means no dominion. You have no dominion over your circumstances, your finances, your body, you know, your children, and it goes on and on and on. So why aren't we seeing that dominion today? Because Satan had stole the communication between God and man by tricking and deceiving man in the garden. If we go back into the garden, there was one tree that God placed in the midst of the garden, and he says, that's my tree. You don't eat from that tree. That's mine, unless you surely die. If you touch it, you eat from it, rather, you will surely die. It's a tree of the knowledge. Or we say knowledge. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, don't eat it, you'll die. In other words, God was saying, I don't want you getting information from any other source but me and me alone. Amen. And so in other words, communion with the Almighty is going to, is going to give you some privy understanding, revelation, information from the throne of God that the world can't give you. Now, the world can give you some crazy stuff. You can learn to be spiritual, and you will get information. Oh, I'm here to tell you, some of that stuff is real. Some of them are charlatans out there, but some of that stuff, there's demonic power behind it. So you can learn to read the stars, astrology. Now, now why, why is that important? I'll say that because God put the stars in the sky. And absolutely there is truth to the fact that there is, um, there is the fact that God speaks by way of constellations and star alignment. But the devil took it and made astrology out of it. And so what he did was you don't need the relationship piece of it. You just need to know how to count the stars and know what the constellations are and know the timing of the events. And are you a Pisces? If you're a Leo, if you're a Sagittarius, whatever it might be, that's how we'll determine what your, the next step is. It took God out of the equation. Am I right by this? 
You can learn to read things. You can learn to uh, discern things. You can learn uh, the the spirit guides and the New Age movement and all that stuff. And many much of that stuff is very real. And you don't play with that stuff. You're gonna get demon possessed. You think I'm lying? That's the truth. How do, I, how do you know that? Because there was a woman that was in the Bible that followed Paul around and said, these, are the, I met, these men are the, the most high God, follow him. And finally, it wasn't of God that was saying that. It was the devil that was in her. And Paul looked at her and rebuked the spirit that was in her and commanded that demon to come out of her and she could no longer prophesy. Her gift left her because the spirit left. So a lot of times these soothsayers that are out there, they got a demon that's inside of them that's giving them demonic information. You don't want that. You want communion with the almighty God who loves you and wants to protect you. Someone say amen. Isaiah 14, look at that real quick, verse 12. Remember, Satan was kicked out of heaven. It says, how are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How are you cut down to the ground, you who weakened the... The, the nations, for you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. Who are the stars of God? The stars of God are us. That's us. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Possessor of heaven and earth. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Notice it says that Satan says, I'm going to ascend higher than your throne, and I will be like the most high God. Who's like the most high God? We are like the most high God. See, when he saw us, he knew that was the greatest creation God's ever created above him, above angels, above anything else, because we're like him. Now look at John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. We know that's Jesus. So we see that the Word now is even from the beginning, and Adam had all the Word that he needed for dominion in the beginning. But Satan deceived them into believing that there was something that they were missing. God knows if you eat of this, you'll be like him. That's the deception. They were already like him. And the devil's still trying to do that to us today, trying to get us to believe that we're not special, that we're not important, that we're just a bunch of jerks, that we we got nothing going for us. And he he riddles us with all this stuff and makes us feel self-conscious about who we are and and we're not this and we're depressed and anxiety, all that stuff, when you're in fact, you're just like your father. Now, you're not him, but you're like him. And look what it says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of the both, of both of them were opened. When? When they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There is knowledge in the world that will open your eyes. But it doesn't mean it's of God. Matter of fact, he doesn't want you to see certain things. He's trying to protect you from things. And the eyes of the both of them were open, and they knew they were naked. No good came out of it. They saw that they were naked, and they sold fig trees together and made themselves covered. So they began to cover up what they saw. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking. That means proceeding in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. So they hid 
because they felt condemnation. When their eyes were opened through their disobedience, they got a knowledge. The knowledge was you're naked, you need to cover yourself. They didn't have that knowledge before. So they went and they hid themselves and made for themselves coverings to cover up their nakedness. So in other words, they moved from a God consciousness. All they were aware of was God. They moved from God consciousness to a self-consciousness. Now all they saw was themselves and how they did not measure up to God. Where did they hide? Among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you, Adam? Not speaking of his location, but speaking of his position. He knew where he was locally, but he wanted to know why did you not stand in your stay in your position? In other words, your position was if you got a question, ask me. If you want to know something, talk to me about it. Why did you spend time talking to the devil? Talking about his communion, positionally, his place of relationship with God in the garden. So he said, the man said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid. Same sound that they heard in the upper room. There was a sound, the Bible says, that came like a rushing mighty wind that came into the house where they were sitting, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and spake with other tongues, the Bible says. So Satan deceives Adam and Eve, causing them to be disobedient, and they lose their dominion authority to Satan. How, how do you know that? We know that. Well, look at how, what happened to the world, number one. But number two, Jesus, he's out in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. He's being tempted by the devil. And the devil says to him, all these kingdoms I will give you. He puts them on a high pinnacle, shows them everything. All these kingdoms you see I'll give to you if you just bow down and worship me. Jesus never refutes the fact that he's got the kingdoms to give them. He just simply, worship, he simply says, worship the Lord your God and him only. And the devil left him for an opportune time. So in other words, yes, Satan had the authority to give the kingdoms away because it was transferred from uh, Adam's hand to Satan's hand. So prayer is what gets it back. Now, the first prayer you prayed was, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I make you the Lord of my life from this moment forward. That was the first thing you did and just in that moment, he came in you, forgave your sin, wiped your slate clean as snow, and gave you all authority. Let me make this statement. Your vertical relationship will give you horizontal dominion. If the vertical is broken, then the horizontal will be broken. So what does that, uh, does that mean? What does man need for this? Well, he needs the vertical fixed. He needs the communication with God back in his life. The first thing that he or she needs to do is restore a right relationship with the Almighty to fix the horizontal problem in your life. If the vertical gets fixed, God fixes everything else around you. Jesus came to fix it. He's called the last Adam. Because the first Adam blew it, the last Adam is going to fix it. And he becomes the restorer or the redeemer. He restores us back into right relationship with God. How does he do it? He does it through the cross. The cross is what? Lifted up. It's vertical, right? And then when he fixes, when he goes to the cross, the Bible says he dies. It regains the keys of death, hell, and the grave. Gets the victory. Comes up out of the grave. He gives all power and authority that, was gained, that he gained into your life. Those that receive him, all authority is given back to him. So in other words, he fixes the vertical with man, 
Come on, somebody. Through the cross, and then what does it do? It all fixes the horizontal issues in your life. Do you remember how God spoke to his people in the wilderness for the first time? It was not through Moses. Moses was a, Moses was a side issue. Moses was a fix-it issue. The, they, he, the Bible says he spoke to the people face-to-face. So they heard a sound, the Bible says, that came off the mountain. They freaked out. They were so freaked out and fearful. They, they didn't know what to do. Did you know that Josephus, who was a writer in the time of Jesus, lived during the time of Christ, and he was a historian, okay? Like you've heard of different people like uh, Gaius and uh, Magellan and different people. They would write, okay, he was a historical man, and he wrote down history things that happened in the time of Israel. And he writes in his writings, after he did all this different, uh, you know, he collected different writings of old. And he said, when God spoke on the mountain, the people were so fearful that they ran from the mountain up to 16 miles and had diarrhea. I don't know if that's true or not, but that sounds pretty horrible. Come on. They were fearful. They were afraid. That's what, that's what Josephus said. So my point to you is this, is that it was never God's intent to speak through a man. He wanted to speak to his people, but they couldn't handle it when he spoke. So he gave Moses, and Moses would interpret what God was saying to the people. It was the desire, God's desire, to speak directly to his people, but fear hit them. Why? Because they could hear his voice, but could not understand what he was saying. They heard it out. All they heard was a noise, a sound. He was speaking, but all they heard was sounds and noises, and it was terrifying to them. And that's what we find out today. Still, when God speaks, a lot of people get afraid. I said, we're going to have a prophet in. Some people don't show up. They're afraid that they're going to get embarrassed or God's going to speak to them. Why would you ever be afraid? God's not going to embarrass nobody. He just wants you back. He just wants you healed. He wants you delivered. He wants you set free. And that's prophetic prayer. Prophetic prayer, when you get in that place of intimacy with God and relationship, God wants to, he wants to reveal to you his plans for you. So let me tie it together. In the beginning was the word. Well, God has no beginning. The Bible says everything under heaven has a time and a season. But God is the ancient of days. In other words, there's no beginning and no end. So the beginning wasn't God. The beginning was Adam. He was the beginning. And God breathed on him and spoke his word, ruach, or spirit, into Adam. And Adam fell. And when he fell, he lost God's word. And that word there means is the word pneumos. And it means spirit word or living word. Or we can say it this way, prophetic word. And when he lost the prophetic word, Adam did, now he was relegated to the logos word. Word that he had heard God say and wrote it down, archived it. And now Adam and those after him, because we know uh, many believe that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible, but we have them can- canonized, and they're together. But now then, we have the commands of God. We have the rules of God. But it's hard to find the relationship in those things. And the relationship is what God ultimately wanted with his people, but now because they lost the spirit, 
spirit of God, the, 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 the word of God, the pneumos, the, the prophetic word of God, they were relegated to the logos word, which was the written word. And the Bible says the letter kills, but the spirit makes it alive. That the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. So in other words, what God always wants to bring back to his people is he wants to bring back life. He wants to bring back spirit and liberty. He wants to bring back relationship. And and so you see four dimensions and color and and, and you're, you're in tune with what God's saying. So the logos is important because you understand what God's done and who he is and, and his commands and you got to live by those dictates but it's more than that. My relationship is more than just be reading my Bible in the morning. It's me saying, Lord, I need you today. I love you today. Do you want to speak to me today? I'm open to you today. By the way, if you want a new beginning, get a word from God. Get a word from God. Genesis 11, verse 1. And why is this so serious, what happened to Adam? Because it says, now the whole earth had one language, one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there, and they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. And they they had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And and they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Notice that they are moving from a horizontal position to a vertical position. They're doing it backwards on their own. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. They said, let us make a name for what? Ourselves. God's out of the picture. We're going to reach heaven, but without God. Okay? And he's, but the Lord came down to see the city and tower, the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language, and this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them come let us go down and and uh, let us go down and there confuse their language that they may not understand one another's speech so the lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of all the earth and they ceased building the, the city therefore its name is called babel because there the lord confused they all babbled the, the language of all, of all the earth and from there the lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. You know, when you do things your way, it gets a whole lot worse. Here's something you need to get. Your dominion is on earth, but your authority is from heaven. Okay? Matthew 16, Jesus said, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, loose in heaven. What's it saying? Your binding, your loosing that you do down here is backed by heaven. That's where you get your authority. So what were the people at the Tower of Babel doing after God came? They were standing still. They could do nothing because they could no longer move forward due to the confusion that they were in. If you're in confusion, it's because you don't have communion. No communion, you end up in confusion. If you're in confusion, you can't move forward in life. I'm preaching pretty good. And God wanted to be their source. He wants to give us a language that we can unify with him. He wants us to speak his language. And that's what we did a moment ago. It's called the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. That's the language of God. And it's unique to every single individual. Amen, somebody. So let me make the statement, and then we're going to move on. Nothing will hinder a move of God faster than somebody who's in disunity or who is not in harmony with the Almighty God. Nothing will cause you to stand still more than you deciding, I'm going to do this without daily 
being before the throne of God. Now, I know life gets things happen. I get it. I look, I'm, I, I like to say, uh, I pray every day, but, you know, I know th- there's times I should be spending more time with the Lord, and I know it. And I try to get, you know, back in the program because it is a discipline. But I, I'm telling you right now what I know. You can turn your discipline into a delight. You really can. But you got to stick with it. you got to be involved in it and let God speak. And I, I said this on Sunday. I think it was on Sunday. There's never been a time that I haven't spent time with God that I didn't feel his presence and know he was there. And I, tears begin to cry. I'm not saying that needs to happen with you. But it's a little thing for me. It's amazing. I just will get in his presence. It's just it's like that, that quick. Well, how do you do it? Simple. I don't go with all this agenda. I just go to worship him. I just love you, Lord. I love you. And as I'm saying that to him, I feel his presence coming on me. And then after we've had that for a little worship for a while and praise for a while, oh, here comes the declaration. My faith begins to grow. Now I'm speaking over my life, what God's word says about me, what God says about my family, this church, my destiny, all that stuff. Amen. Very, very, very important. Unity is how the oil flows. And so the more I'm unified with God, the more the oil can flow. Second part of this, and I'm done. The more unified you can be with your pastor. And listen to me. If I was on the front row and heard the pastor, I'd be amen in this too because it's true. The more unity you can have with him, the man of God in your life, the better it's going to be with you. How do we know that? The Bible's clear that when Moses was, in, they were in battle, Moses said, I want to send you guys up there. Joshua, you go and help. You slit, I'm leading the troops out there. I'm going to go over here in the mountain and pray. Now, I need, I need my two men to come with me. And you'll be on one side, you'll be on the other side. And he says, as long as I keep this rod up, the word of God going over the people's lives, as long as I keep that up, they're going to be okay. We're going to win. And the Bible says he kept it up, and they were winning, winning, winning. He got tired, and his arms started going down, and they started losing the battle. So he said, I need you on my right side, you on my left side. Now lift my arms up. He couldn't lift it up anymore by himself. He had to have others unified with him to help him lift up that rod before God. And they shoved his arms up there, and he didn't have their strength. He had to use their strength. And when that happened, they fought the rest of the battle, and they won and got the victory. Yeah, how beautiful it is when brothers dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that flows from the head of Aaron down upon his head, upon his beard, onto his garments, and down his feet. So the flow, the blockage is, is we're not unified. But if we get unified with him, with each other, with your man of God, with the vision of the church, however you want to look at that, what's happening is you're allowing that oil, that anointing to flow from the top down all the way through the rest of the body. Amen and amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise.